Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 50-50 of Nutanix Weekly. Gyro was quick to point out that that had no relevance from a binary perspective. It's just a bunch of ones and kind of zeros. All right, Gyro, on the spot, what is 50? What, what's, the, uh, what's the binary for it? Yeah. Mm. It's, mm. Somebody, there's somebody listening right now. Just yell it. It's something like, yeah, it's like. <laughs> One zero, no one wants to hear this, by the way. <laughs> I was actually about to start going like, it's one zero zero one one. No, no, that's not what people tune in for. Let me break out the notepad. Yeah. <laughs> I have at least that small shred of self-awareness. Yeah. And then tell me if you gave it a 250, no, you gave it a 220 something mask, what would it look like? What would it end out? <laughs> All right. There's a lot it's of our, like, what? No, Some might call episode number 50 our golden episode. Wrong, wrong, wrong podcast. <laughs> Half half a hundred. What else? Yeah. So, so I've got with me uh, Dyra Cox, Harvey Green. Same guys. Been here for the other forty nine. So don't need any introduction. <laughs> um, kind of most 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 of the forty nine so far, if not all of them, probably all of them. Um, so number fifty, uh, we should celebrate, yay! Uh, and then we should move on to talking about something. So what are we going to talk about today? So we found another fantastic post on the. Um, community blog around the enhancements, more enhancements in files 4.0, this time around uh, a DR focus, right? And what's the experience of of using files with uh, a DR failover? So I just left a lunch. I'm in, in Chicago and I just left a lunch and the customer was awesome, really nice guy. You just invested in infrastructure with uh, with Dell uh, uh, Vertex, or not Vertex, that's the old stuff, Dell uh, DXRail. And he could he could see my face when he told me. I'm like, oh, well, it's not our blueprint, but we can make it work. Thank you. And uh, you know, when I say that, I, I can easily point to files being a great reason why the Nutanix platform, AOS, Acropolis Operating System on whatever your hypervisor is, in this case, AHV would be ours, um, you know, just really makes for a great platform. And the number one complaint of his current user population is slow logins. Mm. So I'm, you can see my face. I, I wasn't overly excited about him having new gear that wasn't the gear I would want him to have, but he had something new and we'll, we'll, we'll make it work for sure. It just wouldn't be ideal. So um, the, the pod, podcast today, we're going to cover a blog by Mike McGee, as Gyro was talking about, Nutanix Files 4.0, new features, smart DR enhancements. Harvey, why does this, why, why does this matter? Well, it only matters to uh, those of us who thinks DR is important, which which hopefully is all of us. <laughs> that, that tragically is some subset of IT buyers by definition. <laughs> it, it, well, it really is. And the conversation a while ago was somewhere in the mix of what did you just buy was how many data centers you have? Well, we just have one. I was like, oh, it's 2022. We got to have more than one. We can't just have one data center, even if one's the cloud or you know, some backup yeah, target. Somebody else's data center. I mean, that's that still works. That's still yeah. better than not having an option. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, they don't have uh, Nutanix files as a way to simply make that uh, backup location happen, but uh, we'll get them there. Today was meeting number one. Yes. So, can only get better from here. Um, <laughs> and, and we can touch on, you know, and some of the why, right? Why would that be interesting to them around, like, what are the other... Um, you know, what other ways can we can we give them back time in their day and give them back time in their week and month? Um, 
So files, of course, is a fantastic one, right? Where where it's native file services right there in the platform that are highly available, highly scalable, highly performant. Um, but then today's focus, right? Uh, you know, easily managed for disaster recovery, right? So if you have it at two sites, whether it's whether you own both sites, you rent one site, uh, the other site can be, you know, in the cloud, could be at a partner data center, could be a lot of things. Um, having that data is one thing, replicating it to make sure you still have it after the after a site denial event, right, is something else entirely. So the... So, Jared, I went back and listened to last week's, now I'm even I'm confused. I, I know files is file level sharing, right, and storage. Mm -hmm. Is it also block level if I'm using the iSCSI portion of files? So Nutanix as a platform offers block storage. Um, we, we call the feature volumes. And files uses that, right? So when we deploy files, part of the automation of the wizard there is it stands up all of the, the filer heads, if you will, like the front end where SMB connections terminate. And then it also sets up all of the backend block volumes that all the filers then mount. And part of the different failure, failover mechanisms, right, are that different filers can connect to different backend block volumes um, based on what kind of failure we're routing around. Mm -hmm. So we should probably start off with the intro here that talks about uh, 3.8, files 3.8, introduced the idea that we could replicate at, replicate at the share level, which that was probably a big uh, a big improvement for DR functionality. Yeah, since the, since the dawn of files, um, we had the construct of, of taking the virtual machines that were the front-end filers, taking the back-end block volumes, wrapping them all in the Nutanix protection domain, which is like our application group sending them all to the DR site. And then there was a workflow to say, activate that copy of my file server infrastructure so that it could get re-IP'd, could join Active Directory, brought up all the shares, brought everything back online. And it did all that for you in an automated fashion, but you can imagine that was um, a fair amount of steps that it had to run through. So then, yeah, so 3.8 brought in what is branded as smart DR, which is rather than replicate the whole thing at the infrastructure level, right? The backend block volumes and the VMs themselves um, run both sides actually in parallel with smart DR. So that they're already, already IP'd, already joined the active directory um, and then just do share level replication, right? So when a user writes a file with, you know, um, like in this case, like a one minute granularity, replicate that whole share contents over to the other file server, right? So that you're simply activating that share. Uh, and marking the DR copy as writable is really the, the main the main activity for a DR failover. And I feel like we may have covered this last week. Is there the concept of when you're replicating that over to make it immutable as well? To, uh, not today, I don't believe in for true immutability of like like a legal like a worm um, stance for that file. Yeah, that's that's just out of objects today, right, Jara? Today, that would be in objects, and, and and part of that would be because when would users expect that, right? Usually, it would be like with a backup or an archive right. type of data set, right? Um, I can think of a number of customers in multiple previous careers that I've had where if like SMB level data could be marked as immutable and like can't be deleted for seven years, we would have had a very interesting conversation around capacity and forecasting, right? right? Like, <laughs> right. What do you mean I can't delete my... I don't know, personal music library. <laughs> it's usually the tired old joke. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. I have a story for that where a guy came to my desk one day. I was a support admin and 
you know, yelled at me about something and told me I'm an electrical engineer. I, I'm a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. And I can, I'm smart enough. I can do whatever I want. And he knows what 50 is in binary. Yeah. He, well, I don't know. But then uh, a couple of days later, I'm like, why are my backups so big? And then I found his porn stash. So uh, I was, uh, I didn't hesitate to, to uh, mention it. You got some faster backups. Sounds like. Yeah. Um, the, uh, let's see. What are we talking all right. about? Well, yeah, all right. there you go. How do you pivot off that, Jari? Go ahead. Let's see it. <laughs> so scalability. We need, okay. So my comment about uh, immutability does not make sense in the share files conversation, but from a backup perspective and, and objects, that's where it comes in. And, and Nutanix has it covered there, right? Totally. All right. So in this uh, blog by Mike Ricky, he really calls out two things. Uh, the first, as files... Um, you know, smart DR has gotten better. Uh, number one, scalability. Uh, Jaira, what's Nutanix really highlighting as an improvement in the scalability as it relates to uh, files and the DR? Yeah, DR. so a major enhancement here to smart DR itself, um, raising the limit of what used to be a 25 shares that could be protect, protected with smart DR, mm -hmm. now up to 100. So the first 25 can do uh, the one minute replication intervals. And then the next 75 or, or, you know, from 26 up to 100 can do uh, 10 minute intervals, right? So still very, very um, rapid protection for the data that you write to those shares. So is this intended to be like application level replication of uh, the file? So that if you're using a, an application, a client server app, the server piece is accessing those files for some reason and it, it's real time or we expect those server apps to be, you know, hitting the same file share. It's just the replications happening in case you needed the, you know, the, the redundancy. I think it's fair to say it's it's for it depends on the application, right? And where does the where does the business expect to solve the problem, right? If it's an app that we control that we write that we need, you know, like a zero tolerance for, then of course we can simply write to two shares, one at site A, one at site B, and we control all of that. If it's a, an app that maybe we purchase, we buy, we can, we only you know we just stand it up, we don't control a lot of it at the code level then we have to protect it at the infrastructure level. And so it writes to share at, at site A and we replicate that share over to site B, right? With, in this case, we can mark it as a high priority share, one of the first 25 there that can do a one minute replication interval. Mm -hmm. So are you saying the ability to write real time is within Nutanix or within the application itself that you're working with? Um, if, if we needed like true synchronous, right? Then I would, I would write that at the application level, right? To say, you know, send out, you know, parallel rights to share A and share B and wait for both to, to respond back before I, at the application level, proceed with my next transaction, right? If, I, if that was a requirement. I think we lost it, Andy. <laughs> I was about to ask if that makes sense, which is my usual kind of go-to for dead air on a call. No, I, I mean, that, that makes sense, at least to me. Um, yeah, and so I can, I'm sure that there will be plenty of people who use functionality like this to cover uh, for for an app that doesn't have that capability, uh, but still will write to a share, and then they're then using that one minute interval to replicate it out to a different one. Yeah, right. We can offer the business still dramatic data protection for that for the share data as it gets written, um, and we can but we can also protect a lot more shares. Um, you know, 4X the limit of shares that we had before. So like our, our precious like IT installs 
shared directory, right? Or IT ISOs. Um, you know, <laughs> important data, but doesn't change quite as fast, right? Put that's, that in that. In that totally you know, every, important. It's like it's the totally most important, hundred percent. But we put it in that ten-minute uh, interval window. <laughs> it's it's the one that we use. You know, maybe once every couple months. <laughs> But we need it when we need it, right? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. So then, the second enhancement here that um, that Mike highlights right on this blog post is around um, self service store functionality. So, self service store in the context of, of files, right, refers to the ability for like a certain file share, like say the accounting share or the IT installer data um, share for like our distribution point for installers, uh, for an end user to sort of go back in time and say, oops, I deleted my Excel file or a a text file or whatever whatever we deleted and self-service restore that, right? Usually through Windows, that means like the Windows previous version tab uh, in Windows Explorer or like a dot snapshot directory on Linux. But that ability to say, you know, what was here like an hour ago or two hours ago and pull that data back without even having to go bug anybody in IT or log a ticket. Um, so like it says, self-service restore of data. And so, and files, this is also something files has had um, uh, basically since it launched. And then we've brought that forward to now interoperate with the new smart DR functionality so that we can use smart DR to replicate the data, but then now now still have the ability to self-service, um, you know, from, you know, across, across both sides of that share or even have differing retention, right? Like the article calls out maybe at prod, we have the last two hours, like, like an hour ago and two hours ago state of the file share, but maybe at DR we have, you know, the last 10 hours of 10 hourly snapshots, right? So those can mix and match or they can match, uh, they can differ or they can match, um, across their application so that when you do a failover, users can still self-service their own restores. Right. And I mean, that's that's a very, very important technology. I've always been, I don't know, kind of on the fence as to whether or not you always want that to be out for people no matter what, uh, because when you give them the undo button, they'll press it, which is great. Uh, but when they go, you know, five, six <laughs> revisions and, then they want to undo and then they're undoing something else they shouldn't undo. It's just a tangled web we weave sometimes. No, that's fair. Yeah, it's certainly, it's a, there's some power to it, right? Which means you can use it, use it well or use it badly. (laughs) Are you guys talking about Microsoft's uh, shadow snapshots again? (laughs) (laughs) We're just talking about that, that power as a whole to be able Mm -hmm. as a user to, uh, go back to the way that it was before. Um, you know, it's, I don't know, I guess sometimes that can be a training issue where you train them that they have the power, but you don't necessarily train them uh, that that power has both limits and consequences sometimes. So yeah. did you guys ever implement this back in the Microsoft days when they made that available in the file oh, system? Yeah. You did? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Got the scars to prove it. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't remember if I ever actually had it run, you know, live or not. But I guess in this case, and I'm sorry, I disappeared for a minute. I'm at a hotel and I got disconnected. Um, what we're talking about here is the ability to self-service your your yeah, uh, your request. Recovery. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. yeah. Restore the restore the contents of a file share, or like even a directory or single file back to an earlier point in time, right? To like recover from like a unintentional deletion or overwrite or a bad save. So, um, I'm I'm bad because as you're talking about that, you you talked about re- restoring the folder or restoring the share, and I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> I, I'm I'm fine with them restoring a file, right? They go to store again, you know, not necessarily. You're teaching them to have the power, but sometimes you forget to teach them it has consequences if they're restoring an entire share or an entire it, folder. It, I mean, we're we're crossing the line of like technology problem into like human problem, right? And, and those interact <laughs> a lot. Uh, you know, when I think back to my days, like as like the IT guy, or, you know, you have that those handful of favorite users, right? That are like your sort of like right. trusted folks in a department. Maybe maybe you teach them about how to how to do this, right? Um, because as it, you know, it's something you can control and configure. You can enable it at a at a share per share level, right? So maybe it's not for all shares. And of course, blah blah blah, RBAC and least possible privilege. And you know, users should only see files that they absolutely have to see to do their job, right? Hello, ransomware and limitation of of blast right. radius there. But <clears throat> you know, in general, it's it's something. At least if I was a technology evaluator, I'd want to see that I, the capability existed in the software where I chose to use it can be very, very tactical, right? So I think you're, yes. you're totally right there, Harvey. Can you control this uh, per user, per group? Or does, if it's on, everybody can do it. If, if it's not on, of course, nobody can do it. Uh, I know that turning it on or off is a uh, per share level. Um, and now I'm going to make a guess. I don't like to do that, but I think anybody that would have a write privilege, right? Could it be a read action on the previous state and you're writing it to the current state. So anybody with write privileges probably would be able to to see that right same way that anybody with a, with a right access could could overwrite data from their application in the first place yeah yep have okay. to have a certain level of uh trust that, that and, things will happen the way they're supposed to uh harvey you're probably closer to this than i am couldn't there be a uh group policy control to like hide the previous version tab for certain users since that's uh, yeah absolutely so there you go. So that, that's, your guess. That's, that's your guess there, Andy, right? Anybody that you don't want oh, to do yeah. this, they technically have rights on the file server, but we can hide it in the GUI so they never see it. <laughs> well, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> As always, uh, use your best judgment. Yes. Assuming, yes. Your, assuming your GPOs are processing, which they should be, but uh, oh my. environments where, where it was a disaster. I mean, if, it's, yeah. if they're not, uh, call Harvey. <laughs> Hey, there we go. <laughs> Harvey will tear down your entire Active Directory and build it back up from that. No, I will not. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm sure you guys, we probably all troll the same sysadmin forums. Did you guys see the post today about the guy who, who seemed sort of like a junior AD admin kind of crying out for help saying, I'm getting an error that I can't add this user to more than a thousand AD groups. That's That's the limit. Yeah, and it's so, like wow to that, and good for you for thinking that uh, I could read a post that happened today. Today, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I love all the responses that are just like, if you have a user in a thousand groups, you have other problems, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes, don't fight yes. this limit. It's probably there for your protection. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's go ask other creative questions about solving this problem. <laughs> poor, poor guy had an honest question. He probably got flamed. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's part of the 
maturation process of a sysadmin. It, it is, and he, yes. Well, he probably inherited that. Yes, he, that Absolutely. is also true. Yeah. Um, but also it, part of the maturation that, process of a sysadmin. Yes, that is true too. If you're that far in and you're having that, you, I, I still think it's right to let's look at fixing the other problem. I, I still get to say, call, call Harvey. So, well, I may have told go. this story before, but when I was at Microsoft doing AD support, I remember the guy calling in. His domain controllers were SpongeBob and Sandy and Patrick. And <laughs> he's talking to me as if I'm supposed to know what he's talking about. I had no idea this is early on and I didn't keep up with Nickelodeon at the time. Um, I was, and I didn't quite get it at the time because my kids were young. I'm like, I should know this. He goes, no, it's for adults. I'm like, it's a cartoon for adults. I'm like, yeah. It's like, oh, okay. All right. That was, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, Harvey, is there anything else about Nutanix and its ability to replicate and provide DR snapshots that uh, you would like to also call out or are we done here? Um, I think I think we're done here. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I'll throw out, since, since you threw the torch to me, that uh, we have our next iteration of the Nutanix workshop, uh, AOS and AHV, that takes place this Friday, uh, whatever date that is. Let me look. <laughs> Friday at 1 p.m. Uh, we've got a, a later start so that we can integrate more of our West Coast customers. Uh, who don't necessarily want to get up at six or seven in the morning. Uh, that'll be the 22nd, April 22nd, 1 p.m. Eastern. Awesome. 10, 10 a.m. Western. <laughs> having good success teaching people, enabling people to that. Jair, yeah. anything about uh, files specifically on this part of the conversation you'd want to bring up? This, uh, this covers it for me. Uh, anybody can uh, take a test drive of this course in the te test drive environment or also uh, try it on your existing clusters as well. So it's a one-click deployment from your existing Prism dashboard to say, deploy files, kick the tires on it. Harvey, for Friday, is there anywhere people need to go to register for that? Will they maybe find a link in show notes? Yes, that is uh, on the Zintegra.com uh, page. You can go there to sign up for it. We'll stick a link uh, when we post this out as well. We will. Good deal. We will. We will. <laughs> Zintegra.com. That's where you go for that. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, Jaira, any, let, let me do this to you. Um, any interesting customers out there that, without calling them out by name, that you see using files and in such a way that's you know unique from others? All over the place. Um, it, it's by far, it's it's a no-brainer for any UC environment, right? So if you're running any kind of virtual desktops, server-based desktops on Nutanix, files is by far the easiest answer, um, like we kind of opened with, right? Customers suffering from long login times. There's so much in that chain, right? I need to have responsive domain controllers. I need to have responsive um, profile storage directories. And my desktops need to be fast. And Nutanix solves all those problems super, super well. So um, for EUC, right, like I said, no-brainer. But then also, you know, general purpose, you know, uh, uh, gen pop file shares, right? My departmental shares, my end user private directories, um, all a slam dunk use case for that. But then also even scaling out to like backups and stuff. Um, so if I need just SMB based or NFS based backup targets, um, that's also easy as well. The cool thing about a, a software defined solution is it can run on any kind of hardware that we need it to, right? So if it's tiny all flash nodes burning, burning VDI, 
that's fine. Those profiles probably aren't very large anyway. If it's backup nodes and that's slow and fast and I want cheap and deep, well, that's fine. The software runs great on hybrid nodes, right? That are mostly made up of like HDD based spinning disk uh, storage as well. Yeah, um, very fungible, very flexible, and also you know great for specific workloads like the VDI profile, uh, FS Logics world. Which, believe it or not, it's still the number one complaint we hear when we walk into a new client is slow logins. Yes, yes. There are tools to fix that. Yeah, can't, can't uh, what is it? Can't improve what you don't measure. So yes, there that you go. Very true. Got to start a lot of them quit measuring. They just assume it's going to be slow and it doesn't tolerate. Have to be. And they're loading. <laughs> that would be like the flip side, right? Things you touch, things you tolerate don't get better on their own. Well, <laughs> users just stop. I think users just stop complaining. There's a lot of what happens. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, if if you are used to I log in, I go get coffee, I come back and everything's up and that takes, you know, five minutes, then you go log in, it's in in 30 seconds, but you still go get your coffee and come back to the user, that's still the same. <laughs> right. Um, but to, to your point, if you're measuring that, if your user actually cares about it, they're sitting at their desk and waiting on that, uh, waiting on that machine or that VM or that file share or whatever it is to come up. And it's like 30 seconds versus two minutes is a huge difference. Um, well, if you and can get it below 30 seconds, then that's even better. Yeah. I think that's so interesting in the context of like, well, 2022, right? Where employees are never more mobile than before, right? People right. feel empowered to, to job hop and nobody solves this problem in isolation. But what is what is IT and what is the company more broadly thinking about in terms of like using technology to actually delight our internal customers, right? Our employees. And if that's a if that's a, if that's a, not on someone's radar, that's probably a competitive disadvantage as an employer in terms of like retaining a workforce, right? Absolutely. Like it's absolutely something that, that can be a focus area that honestly isn't that hard to meaningfully impact, but what you're, you're, you're talking about the device that someone's going to interact with, let's say eight hours a day, maybe a little Every less, day. maybe a little more, maybe a lot more, <laughs> right. you know, and, and that's an opportunity for delight, right? Like um, I can think of all the apps that I can go to like an app store and, and through Good, good automation, TM, uh, mm-hmm. you know, get like apps deployed to my workspace, right? That make it easier for me to do my job. And that's that gives me as, as, an, as an end user delight, um, you know, compared to if I had to go throw in tickets and wait for slow desktops and wait weeks for, you know, the tools I needed to get installed, you know, that's, that's a competitive disadvantage. Yeah. And at this point, we all need to find every way we can to get people to want to come work and stay working employed there. Yeah. All right, guys, I will let you go. Thanks for another uh, great conversation. Thank you both. Yeah, absolutely. See you.